Welcome to the It's Become a Whole Thing podcast with me, your host, Emily Rose, where we take a subversive look at all the celebrity gossip you want and some you never knew you needed. We'll take a deep dive into the hidden meanings of what's really going on in the world of pop culture, because here we contain multitudes and read between the lines. Join me. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the It's Become a Whole Thing podcast. I'm your host, Emily Rose. How are you guys? I mean, I ask and I genuinely want to know, and I wish there was a way that you could respond in real time. (laughs) But I mean, you know, send me vibes, send me a courier pigeon, DM me after the episode. Like, how's everyone doing? This is a Patreon unlock because I think it's a fantastic episode, if I do say so myself. But I'm also traveling this week. So by the time you hear this, I will be on a plane heading back from Coachella. So yep, baby's first Coachella at the ripe age of 33. (laughs) Just going to dust off my dancing shoes after two years of barely socializing. So, you know, I'm excited. And if any of you guys are going, like, let me know, or I'm kind of an all or nothing person with partying. I'm either like wanting to be in bed skin moisturized by 9 30 or we've opened up pandora's box and i just want to keep dancing until i can't dance anymore so i'm gonna finally get to tap into that so I have lots of amazing guests lined up in the next couple of weeks. Just to name a few, I have Kelly Williams from Beyond the Blinds. I have Dolma Atlan, who's a celebrity brand expert. You might know her from TikTok. I have Maya Wade from Myochondrial Membrane uh, account on TikTok. As for today's episode, there, there's two types of Patreon episodes we do. We do one every, every week. Some are deep dives like this, and then some are just us getting into a silly, goofy mood, talking about some personal trials and tribulations that are just just between us friends. <laughs> Not really meant for the general public. So a quick note about the content of today's episode. Obviously, you know from the title, it's about Scooter Braun. So Sam and I are going to be getting into it. At the very end, we will be addressing Big Feud with Taylor. And I just want to say that I'm not debating whether I think what Scooter did was wrong or not. I think it was wrong. I'm debating whether I think the punishment matches the crime. So whether Taylor's backlash matched his actions, just something to keep in mind based on some feedback we got from originally posting this on the Patreon. Let's get into it. Hit me with a five-star review if you've been liking what you've heard so far. The link to subscribe to the Patreon is in the episode description. It's $5 a month. I mean, or you could just listen for free. There's a free episode every week. I'm here for all journeys here. I'm just happy you're here. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. I found a quantum leap MLM coach and I need to talk about it with you. (laughs) Like business coaching has like, you know how there's like so many like wellness business coaching. Well, there's also quantum timeline leaping coaches. I can't, okay. I'll watch it. I just have a lot of, I have a lot of thoughts that I'm embarrassed about, but no, no, no. We need to talk about it because (laughs) I'm not saying I disbelieve the multiverse. Text reads, when you notice slight differences in your timeline and start wondering if you successfully leaped, hashtag quantum jumping, hashtag 5D, hashtag timeline jump. Um, I would like you to go first. Wait, hit the comments. Hit the comments. Oh, the comments. (laughs) Half or more of the joy of TikTok is the comment section. I just watched a TikTok that was like, um, it was like, what does my husband think of my best friend? And the guy was like, they were like wearing identical outfits and he was like dragging your foot across the floor and they were like falling over each other laughing. I was like running to the comments and, and it did not disappoint. And I'm like, everyone is like united in the comments and it's beautiful. 
Yeah. Um, I, I also love like a comment section roasting, but these are all supporters in the comment section. So um, like people are just posting supportive comments. Like, I honestly don't feel I'm in the same body. It's so strange. And the coach says, yeah, your physical appearance can change for sure. My hair is so much longer than it's ever been. I, I saw one by, um, coach, by a coach a few weeks or a few months ago, a quantum leaping coach who was saying that every time she quantum leaps her like Apple ID doesn't recognize her face, like her face ID and like her passport scan doesn't work anymore. She has to like redo it. <laughs> and she's like, it's not plastic surgery. Like I just actually like my face fully changes. Certain I have this comment. When I met my husband, he was Jewish and Greek dot, dot, dot. Now he's Venezuelan. <laughs> the coach commented below this person talking about her Venezuelan husband. Oh my God. Such a change. Venezuelan food though. Drool emoji. <laughs> You really update for, updated it, upgraded from your Jewish and Greek husband <laughs> to your now transformed Venezuelan husband. Time is standing still. I've noticed twice that it was a certain time. And then 20 minutes later, it's still the same time. Coach comments. So interesting. <laughs> okay, Emily, like Austin and I started talking about it. We were just like, man, let's go to sleep tonight. And we'll quantum jump to a timeline where like, we're a little better looking and like our jobs pay a little bit more. <laughs> Like, why? Okay, let's talk about it. Like, what do you let's think? talk about it? Let's talk about it. Like, I sort of believe in the multiverse, right? That there's like all these different timelines that are coexisting somehow through a time space continuum where they're all slightly different. But why would the coach be in this timeline? Like, why would this coach be here on TikTok when the world's falling apart, climate change wars, etc.? Well. I mean, but it's like, I don't know necessarily that this is the worst timeline because it's like, okay, are we any better? Like are the middle ages sounds not great. You know, like the 1950s sounds not great. I, I would rather be in this timeline than any other previous timeline, especially as a woman, you know? So even but doesn't with timeline mean like, that's like past in this timeline. Like I thought we were talking alternate realities here, oh, not time travel. Like a utopian society. Well, that's then we get into the debate of like, is this another reality's hell or is this another reality's heaven? Probably not heaven, but like maybe, you know. Um Probably I not. I mean Okay, I, I, I Okay, go ahead. I know Jamie's a simulation head. <laughs> I she get, believes that this I get uh, hives thinking about all this stuff. Um and I actually really wish that. Um, okay. Austin is Sam's husband basically. And he's a truther for a lot of things. And I would really actually love his thoughts on this. I wish he was on the pod right now. Um, but like, I, I thought about asking him to just chat with us for a second because <laughs> he had, some, yeah, we were just laughing about this and just having a grand old time. Cause oh we both gosh. watch Rick and Marty and love it. And yeah, it's all about like, jumping into these other timelines where like your family is slightly different or you've like killed someone or whatever and you have okay. to live with I don't know I I mean even just the fact that our our eyes can only see oh god <laughs> I'm not a physics expert guys I hate to tell you this like our vi we can only see a tiny fraction of like the actual visual spectrum or colors or whatever fuck you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, 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 absolutely. We, we can, can only, only see perceive. like 5% of like what is actually happening. We can only hear and smell a small percentage of what's going on. So I believe there's a lot of stuff that we're not aware of. And I'm 
open to a lot of it. <laughs> well, your DMs are going to be packed with quantum uh, coaches now. I- but then again, I also want to say that I get repulsed by any sort of like white girl manifestation coach on TikTok. It's like, it's too close to who I am and who I'm trying to not be. Yeah. Look, what I believe in is uh, being psychic. I think we both are. I think you knew that 33 was going to be a great year for you intuitively and probably, you know, told by your ancestors and your dreams and such. And I think that they're pulling for you on the other side. Um, I don't personally believe that I could quantum leap to a timeline that's the same, but I have a slightly better setup for myself in that timeline. (laughs) let's let's shift gears and from roasting a fellow girl boss to celebrating you and the fact that you've actually quit your job that you hated so much huge milestone I quit my job (sighs) so I don't know like I okay like for those of you like follow me on Instagram you might bit of my story but my life got very much upended two years ago I had to like move across the country all of a sudden, join the dead mom club, like not like the best vibes, quickly find a place to live, a new job, everything while kind of like keeping an eye on my family. It was just keeping it fun and fresh. So I had to just find something immediately. And I was like, I'll, you know, refine this plan later on. And my job that I found has been crushing my little spirit. Also not really paying the bills. So it's not worth it in any way. And I quit. And a huge part of that safety net is you guys. I am so great. Oh my God, I'm going to cry. I'm so grateful. Go ahead, cry. I'm just really grateful to you guys. Like, I'm just grateful. Oh my God. Anyone is interested in like what we have to say and like wants to like support this dream. And it's just don't think that I could have hit more of a rock bottom than I did in 2021. And now it's, this is all happening and it's thankful. People wanting to be involved and they're like-minded people. They're amazing, funny, hilarious people that DM us and have the best conversations and make the best feedback, like everything. So I'm just, yeah, maybe this is my grateful moment. (laughs) Hell yeah. I mean, there is a lot to be grateful for. And, you know, in addition to all these amazing blessings, I also want to shout out to our antidepressants. We are um, a Wellbutrin baddie and a Lexapro baddie and we are out We're a Lexaho. <laughs> we're yeah. Lexaho and a Wellbutrin baddie. <laughs> yes, like thank you to them who have enabled oh. us to have the energy to do what we do. <laughs> my, honestly, thank God. Thank God that my life was so terrible that I was finally like, maybe I should take the advice of like everyone my whole life telling me to go on. Seriously. Like we both literally thought we could like quantum leap coach our way out of it. And like, we've, you know, we've done everything. We've done every alternative, everything, tinctures, meditation, exercise, um, acupuncture, acupuncture, energy energy, healing, uh, yoga, distance distance energy healing, (laughs) (laughs) consulting psychics, consulting, um, tarot experts, astrologists, um, like what experts? have we not consulted like everything but an exorcism basically <laughs> like <laughs> honestly <laughs> everything but doing the, like the like white girl ayahuasca journey um well we've done our own versions of that many times <laughs> yeah we've we've and we've we've diy'd that with our own drugs yeah. um so yeah no but yeah not in like a 
ceremony culture no 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 anyway but like i just mean we've gotten zooted we've explored as the kids, like, <laughs> as we, we've dabbled in the dark arts um <laughs> so yeah we did we we did it all and uh and here we are <laughs> turns out pharmaceuticals are super chill and like <laughs> keep this whole thing running <laughs> yes amen i mean now let's sharply <laughs> now let's talk about scooter Braun. <laughs> Well, in a really natural segue. <laughs> Speaking of gratitude, <laughs> I did not know how to steer that ship. Oh my god! Yeah, thanks for coming on that little journey with us, you guys. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, let's uh, <laughs> let's make a supernatural segue. If we had a sponsor, now would be the time for our sponsor. <laughs> yeah, let's take a quick break and then get back with Scooter Rod. <laughs> okay, so. Let's get to today's topic. So <laughs> we've been on this whole journey. Like Justin Bieber truly sent us on a journey through space and time um, where we had to talk about cults and religions um, because he is such a man of religion, but like of different kind of like weirdly um, exploitative culty ones. And Scooter Braun, who also seems to be quite... Uh, <laughs> an exploitative man but we'll get into that so Scooter Braun is his manager and he is a very complex figure with a lot to say um about him so that's what we're going to be getting into today Samantha take it away um so I had to do a little bit of digging on his past I was like how do you create a Scooter Braun so his how do you real create name is- a Scooter Braun yeah, where does a scooter brawn type come what from? What is a scooter brawn? How what is, is a scooter? Brawn? How is a scooter brawn? And yeah, exactly. So Why? his real name is Scott Samuel Braun, and he was born to two Hungarian immigrants in Queens. His grandparents survived the Holocaust, and he has four siblings. One of his brothers, Adam Braun, is also a very successful businessman, and he has a million followers on Instagram. Um, his his website is kind of cheesy there's a story like in his bio that goes adam began working summers at hedge funds when he was 16 years old sprinting down the path to a successful wall street career but while traveling abroad as a college student he met a young boy begging on the streets of india who when asked what he wanted most in the world simply answered a pencil this small request became the inspiration for pencils of promise the organization Braun would leave Bain and Company years later to start with just $25. Using his unique for a purpose approach, the organization has now raised more than $75 million to address global education. He wrote a book called The Promise of a Pencil, How an Ordinary Person Can Create Extraordinary Change. I'm surprised this wasn't a, like a 90s movie. <laughs> this, sounds like, this sounds like a 90s white savior movie. Yeah, was like some feel good, like and it he, would be called the promise of a pencil and like jennifer aniston would be involved at some point and like <laughs> yeah it's it's sandra bullock in that blonde wig like oh yeah 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 <laughs> it's a blind side um yeah it's it's such a corny little story his little pencil story that you just know he beats to death at every single like speaking gig he has but anyway not well, to hate very- too much no i mean i'm not no i'm not ha- like whatever i'm I, hating I- i'm hating i'm not saying you are no, actually I am because I'm so disenfranchised with um, like the nonprofit industrial complex, but that's not what this is about. Um, <laughs> anyway, I'll let you continue about uh, Scooter Braun, his, uh, his origin story. 
Um, yeah, so his family grew up in Cost Cobb, a neighborhood in Greenwich, Connecticut. Um, the only thing I know about it is that's where Pete Campbell lived in the show Mad Men. Um, you know, I think Greenwich, Connecticut is like very stuffy, upper crust kind. Isn't, so isn't I- all of Connecticut stuffy and upper crust? If you're a listener yes. in Connecticut and you know that there's like and you know otherwise let me know but my impression of Connecticut is as like one big like business conference yeah it's small it's rich it's like driving distance to New York um yeah but what I don't get is how his parents how they made such a massive social jump like socioeconomic jump quantum leap a quantum leap if you will like how did they go from being poor immigrants to having two other kids worth tens of millions of dollars like so I will I will say that like it's interesting as soon as you said like his grandparents were holocaust survivors um there is a whole like pathology and a mentality that gets passed down to children of survivor like of survivors of the holocaust and like there's a lot of like interesting research and literature on it but basically they're extremely extremely driven in terms of career and emotionally there's like a whole lot that gets kind of like messed up like they tend to not really um be able to like express emotions um because they're raised by people who were not allowed to express their emotions and also were told over and over and over from the time that they were little like you basically need to make up for all the people that weren't able to like be here you need to like be like 10 times as successful and like grateful that you're here and like make the most of it I mean it's kind of like uh, it's a common immigrant story but it's sort of like um intensified by that yeah and I think being a part of the um Jewish New York City community probably helps them a lot in terms of connections and just being part of a tight-knit community you know where he gets because I'm like how does a 16 year old get an internship on Wall Street you know like well, you yeah. have to have some kind of in for that well and I don't like whatever this is not I'm not gonna um, I'm gonna end this tangent but like I know one holocaust survivor who like he he's 97 now and like he has like 16 grandkids and he paid for every single one of their colleges in full and like he did this you know from being like you know a poor immigrant who started working in a grocery store so there's just I think there's just something about that sort of like survivor mentality that's like hard for us who've like grown up in relative comfort to like understand mm-hmm. um so he did go to Emory University in Atlanta he played basketball there but dropped out in his second year to start working for Jermaine Jermaine Dupree at his label, So So Deaf. Um, he met him through his gig as a club promoter around Atlanta, which is also how he met Usher, Sierra, Lil John, Outkast, and Ludacris. Um, Scooter was arranging parties for Britney Spears, Shaq, and Sink. And what a resume day, already. I know. I know. Crazy. And so one day, Jermaine Dupree went to one of Scooter's parties with Janet Jackson, who he was dating at the time, and told Scooter, you're never going to get to be living in mansions by throwing parties. Why don't you come to my label and be my head of marketing? Like that is a social climber's dream. That is very like lucky, but I bet he had been hustling for that for a long time. Yeah. It's Um, a combination of hustle and being in the right place at the right time and luck. Yeah. But he was, however, eventually fired. Um, and to like survive during that time he did all kinds of hustling like one time he present uh pretended 
to be a reporter for a college newspaper and called up Pontiac and said he was doing a story on the company's marketing strategy. He got a list of names of the executives and just cold called them and lined up a multi-million dollar endorsement deal for Ludacris. So that made him some money. And then in 2007, he set up his management company and he had at that time only two unknown clients. But luckily, one of them, Asher Roth, wrote a song called I Love College that was a big one hit one. College. <laughs> and that and ended last up... night was kind of crazy or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I like wanted to like Google it as a result of this. Maybe I will when we're done. Have you have you not heard it? Do you I not, have, I have, but I do just not, not get since... waterboarded with it in 2012. <laughs> yeah, just not since 2012 or whatever. Um, so that ended up saving their asses and paying their bills for a while. And um, shortly after that, a couple of years later in 2012, he found Bieber on YouTube. Yeah. So it was kind of clear from the beginning that Scooter was always going for kind of like mogul life. Like he's the type of person, I mean, yeah, a lot of it's luck. Some of it's like privilege he was born into. Like he just, yeah, it's, I mean, he wouldn't stop and still isn't going to stop until he's like a true, true, like, um, I don't know, multi-hyphenate mogul. So then he went on, he, he now has many, many ventures. Um, they include Schoolboy Records, Sheba Publishing, Silent Labs. Like he just, he has his like hands in like many pots. Um, in 2013, Time named Braun amongst its hundred most influential people. And in the story, um, the co-founder of DreamWorks Animation wrote, I'm pretty sh- confident he'll be influencing people for generations to come. So it seems like he had an eye for talent And other people who had that eye saw that in him. Um, So when it comes to choosing which clients to sign, um, he told Forbes, Scooter Braun told Forbes in 2016 that he picks artists who are determined to make a name for themselves. So like the scrappiness of Jay Biebs, (laughs) Um, he like saw whatever he saw in him, you know, in that grainy YouTube video sitting on the steps. Um, He also had a client, uh, one of his clients was Kanye West. So about that uh, about Kanye, he said, I felt his passion. I think it's that mentality of, I will not take no for an answer that you look for in people to find the things that are going to be successful. So until very recently, um, until he was divorced, um, very recently, he was married to L. Cohen Braun, um, the founder and CEO of Fuck Cancer Foundation, kind of like, uh, from this like wealthy South, South African family. And they have three kids together. So Basically, one of Braun's best strategies has been scouting for talent online and then guiding young clients on the path to fame and fortune. So that's what he did when he discovered Justin Bieber. Um, He was his first big client. He signed later on. He signed Carly Rae Jepsen, Ariana Grande. But we're going to we're going to get into that later. But basically, it's something that like I think you just you just have to be born with to see that eye for future talent, like how many kids were uploading (laughs) like videos of them playing guitar on YouTube, you know? Um, And that have like decent voices. Scooter was like, this guy has it. And, you know, their star power is like intangible. But I thought it was kind of interesting how, yes, star power is part of it. And like, obviously he saw that in Justin Bieber, but like how he names the thing that's most important to him and his clients as that like ruthlessness that like, I won't take no for an answer. I'm so driven. I'm so committed. I'm going to make this happen for myself, no matter what it takes. Like, I feel like that is something he sees in himself and that he looks for like in his clients too, you know? 
yeah yeah it's not just like vocal cords it's like it's not just vocal cords or magnetism it's like something else it's like that like i'll i'll do anything to like make this work yeah grit grit and hunger rise and grind girl boss attitude we love to see it um Mm -hmm. except not really but we'll (laughs) we'll talk about his shadiness later so we're into um some of his famous clients and his often complex relationship with them so justin bieber is um likely i mean it's his most famous client in that i think most people associate scooter with justin bieber a recurring theme is that his other clients hate how he prioritizes justin above all else like justin's the bread and butter all the resources at the end of the day are going to go to justin and other people can feel like they're in his shadow yeah, he kind of runs his empire of like artists, kind of like a crazy soccer coach dad who's like drilling them all, like getting them all to like practice at 6 a.m. But there's like obviously the star and like, you know, clearly the favorite. <laughs> like, yeah, but like ruth- favorite ruthless kid. favorite kid, but like he's ruthless with all his kids, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's a theme we're going to see come up over and over is that he he works his artists to the bone. Like he pushes and pushes them. When Scooter was managing Justin in his early days, it was said that he actually uh, interfered with Justin's uh, relationship with Selena Gomez. This is all alleged. Everything we're saying is alleged. And that he had this sort of like quasi-parental role with Bieber and uh, was very enmeshed in like nearly all aspects of his life. And so this insider revealed that um, this actually pissed off Taylor Swift, who was appalled by the way that he would kind of like insert himself in Justin Bieber's like personal life and his relationship with Selena Gomez. So keep that in mind, keep that in mind for later, um, that he's there with Justin Bieber, he's meddling in his relationships. Uh, and then here's Taylor Swift watching her friend get messed around by both Jay Beavs and Scooter Braun. So keep, make, yeah, make note of that. There's like videos of Taylor Swift at this time, like you know, she'll be with Selena and then Selena will walk up to Justin at an award show and like hug and kiss him. And Taylor Swift will like make like a gagging, <laughs> like, yeah. like stick her tongue out. And she's like, she openly is like, oh, my friend has a bad boyfriend and I don't like him. But I wondered what this blind meant that said she didn't like how Scooter was interfering in his relationship with Selena. Like if she hates Justin, was Scooter like forcing them to stay together, pushing them together, just telling Selena like, oh, forgive him for whatever, like abuse and like, I was, I'm just like trying to finish well, that thought. Like, what does it mean? We obviously can't know why Taylor Swift, like why that blind existed, why Taylor Swift was pissed. But I just, I imagine that if you are a very protective friend, which we know Taylor Swift is a protective friend, and then you, your best friend is in this really tumultuous relationship, but they also have this like parent figure who's then also meddling it in it and making it even more complicated. I imagine you'd be pissed at both of them. Like right. all, all, all parties involved that are aggravating, like your friend and making their life like worse. Yeah. So another very famous client of Scooter Braun is Ariana Grande. So they have a pretty long history. Um, Ariana Grande signed with Braun in 2013, soon after she started, she started to like take off in her career. Um, but then there was all these kind of rumors that basically Scooter was like overstepping her boundaries and her personal life, um, which is kind of like the same as what we kept hearing, um, like, like it's the same rumors that we kept hearing about Justin Bieber's career and like the role that Scooter Braun had in Justin Bieber's life. Um, but Justin Bieber hasn't really had any sort of like 
he does he hasn't had any boundaries with people like that in his past um and it sounds like he still doesn't but ariana grande got pissed and in 2016 she fired him um and she said like she then seven months later rehired him um scooter braun blamed it on grande's like boyfriend at the time um and he said his quote was when shit boyfriends leave she starts to see the light on some stuff and one day i got a phone call um without naming the boyfriend so he said i went over there we had a very honest conversation um where it made me a better manager number one it allowed me to know that i could be fired i've never been fired before um and like kind of put a positive spin on the whole experience it's unclear whether they're cool today or if they're having some kind of beef we'll talk about that later but um, yeah there's there's rumors that about them being distant but we'll talk about that later um, one interesting fact about his career that I found when I was Googling is that in 2018, he teamed up with Marvel Studios chairman, David Maisel, to create Mythos Studios, which is their own movie studio created, focused on creating comic book movies and franchises. Um, they currently have three movies in development, and one of them has Justin Bieber slated to be the star, like as a comic book movie hero, which I'm very interested to see if that, I cannot imagine him. <laughs> trying to act like but that's the type of shit that's the type of shit that like people that either are a mogul or like wannabe will do they're like we're gonna compete with marvel we're gonna be the new marvel like we're gonna take like marvel movies and like blow them out of the water and like have today's like music stars you never saw being superheroes like acting in it you know it's like it i don't know it they 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 have like the ambition and the money to just throw it at whatever whatever projects they dream up yeah like totally. elon musk shit <laughs> yeah he he has like talked in articles people have like criticized his management style as being like too much about the perfumes and too much about the movies and like side projects and stuff and he's just like look that's where the money's made today like in the music industry like album sales are just not a thing anymore so yeah i mean you're not making money from streaming so you kind of have to sell your perfume or whatever yeah um so then Fast forward to 2021. So there's this huge scooter profile in Variety magazine. So the piece featured quotes from like many of his high profile clients. So this includes like Jay Balvin, Justin Bieber, Demi Lovato. They all had like great things to say. Um, but Ariana Grande was not in it, which is kind of like she's after Justin Bieber, I would say his most high profile client. Um, and so that was what made people like wonder if she was distancing herself from him but yeah and it would make sense from a pr standpoint after the taylor swift fight to just kind of distance herself because her and taylor swift are peers like there's no way that they don't know each other and like work together frequently at award shows and stuff like you know yeah i've often thought about whether ariana grande like what ariana grande and taylor swift's relationship is (laughs) because they just are such you know, they are in the same category. They're in like the top five, you know, pop girlies of today. Um, I don't think they have like a friendship necessarily, but like Ariana Grande is cordial with everyone. Like she's not known for like going off on Twitter rants at anyone. Um, but this whole article was published after Scooter Braun and Taylor Swift's big fallout, which, <laughs> which trust me, we will be getting into, but like, yeah. So a lot of people wonder if it was because of that. And you know, who knows what's going on behind the scenes, but publicly, I remember years ago, she used to post, I used to follow Ariana Grande's like Instagram and she would post like on her stories, like 
her call logs with Scooter and it was like 18 calls to Scooter that day and and posted like glowing like things about him and I mean it just sounds like he kind of makes himself a family member of everyone that he manages um but it doesn't seem to be that way today um so that variety article is very very glowing but there was then a business insider feature that was not so glowing so in this there some of the details from this article were pretty explosive um one of them was about how in december 2018 um kanye west called scooter braun who was like his on again off again manager um kanye needed help closing a deal that would sell a percentage of yeezy um which obviously we now know is like this billion dollar empire um and it would sell it to a third party with manufacturing capabilities in china um and so yay kanye yay was having second thoughts um and scooter told him to not go through with it if you're not comfortable with it um kanye ended up signing anyway and then tore up the contract and blamed cooter scooter cooter (laughs) i knew we would do a cooter (laughs) blamed scooter for trying to trick him so scooter then suggested they should not work together anymore and there's like conflicting reports about whether or not scooter wanted a stake in yeezy or not and that's why he was interfering Uh, make with that what you will i don't think either side is super credible on their word at this point um so more details from the business insider article so along the way he's gone to great lengths to basically like distinguish himself as a good guy he's very 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 concerned with his public image and this is like kind of one of his like main pillars of his whole like shtick basically so he's like very interested in portraying himself as this like family-oriented philanthropist this big moral code like steering artists out of like their dark times and like um but like they're all the rumors and all the kind of like conflicting reports say otherwise um that he's just this like ruthless businessman he's like an egomaniac he pushes and pushes artists um and you know the people that came forth who were saying this didn't want their names used obviously um because scooter he's so powerful that like i mean i'm sure he could have people blacklisted like someone like that is not someone you want to well, maybe not blacklisted, but like if someone like that is not someone that you want to really go on public record and slander unless you're like Taylor Swift and it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this this quote is kind of like, I, I feel like it would ap- apply to like any sort of like hustle and grind dudes at any level. Um, but they said he speaks as if he's perpetually delivering a TED talk, which like that's maybe just like a dude, <laughs> a dude in business thing. Um, but yeah. I mean, that's, that's the least like salacious detail. I think that's just like assumed with any guy who's like yeah, into hustle culture. They're just saying he seems rehearsed and he does like long riffs and long pauses and then includes just like little moments of vulnerability. And they like, I guess the prevailing impression in his industry is that he doesn't seem authentic, which fair enough. He's a music manager, you know, forget everything um, you know about superheroes. <laughs> picture picture this <laughs> justin fucking bieber but he can fly 
what could um, be better than that? What does the world need more? I rest my case. <laughs> yeah. So basically he has like extensive connections within the media, within news outlets, and he pressed to get Harvey Levin at TMZ to squash the video of Justin Bieber saying N-word, but it leaked anyway. And after that came a lot of bad publicity for Justin. Um, yeah. So at the time, Justin's close friend was Lil Twist, and he came forward recently to say that Scooter pressured him to cover for Justin's drug use. Um, he's quoted as saying, if they would have put weed charges on him in his early career, it would have been bad on him. So I got a call one day saying, Twist, do you really love this kid? And I said, yes. They said, cool. If you love him, then you can take the heat for him because you can come off a little weed charge. You're associated with a little Wayne. You're a rapper. Like it's not going to matter. Basically he goes on to say his team had their knee metaphorically on my neck for years, just so they could keep one side clean. I took that heat. He did everything he could to protect Justin and he did his job, but he did it wrong. He hurt other people to get things done and it wasn't right. Um, yeah, no shit. It's obviously not right. And it's also racist. Like it's like you're black. Everyone just expects you to be like, you know, doing drugs and like you're a rapper, like whatever. Yeah. Like Justin's image has to be quote unquote clean, but like, don't worry about yours, your image. And I'm not saying that that uh, twist is like a really nice guy or he, he has like his own like issues and charges and stuff, but but it's there's... also ironic because it's like now Justin Bieber's biggest recent hit is like, I get my weed in California. Yeah, exactly. Things so it's done changed. But it's like, as soon as they've changed, it's like, oh, now it's okay. But like when it wasn't ac- accepted by society, we have to find some pariah, like give him a bit of money and like hush him up. I don't know. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, um, he said, she said in all of the Scooter Braun controversy, but I believe this happened very much. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and there was like some like sort of sideline rumors throughout the pieces I read about Scooter Braun that kind of say like okay he does manage a lot of black artists but he doesn't necessarily hire black people to work at his companies and he likes to brag about having two black brothers but what that means is that when he was already like moved out and away at university his parents temporarily hosted two basketball players from Mozambique who had been like scammed to the U.S. by promises of a scholarship and so in the New Yorker they were kind of subtly dragging Scooter for like sort of using black people in his life as kind of like props for his image but not being like as genuine as he tries to seem and that's like that's what what's always sickened me about the rap industry is just that I've always pictured it as just this like it's like predominantly like black artists and then like white dudes at the top calling the shots and then getting them to like perpetuate stereotypes and like dangling contracts over them you know it's just like yeah, it, yeah. It makes, it's it makes me like yeah it, it it really like makes my stomach turn like I hate I I've hated like I think it's changing now but there's always been this like really acceptable discourse of being like oh rap is bad I hate rap like it promotes all these like bad things and I'm like every genre talks about bad doing bad stuff and it's so easy to point the figure and like at rap and also it like ignore like who is calling the shots in this yeah who's in charge of marketing and um yeah marketing yeah and and which singles get pushed and what the content is 
yeah who's producing who's like the music videos and the image and stuff and anyway yeah it, it's disturbing and professional sports is the same way too like the people signing the checks are are white and then the the people who make the game or the music what it is are are not taking the lion's share of the profits and yeah yeah so a lot of exploiting yeah yeah so all the rumors about scooter like seem to be that he he's that guy apparently um he was managed managing madison beer um and then after like uh photos naked photos of her leaked he apparently lost interest um and said he needed to preserve his focus on justin so this is this another rumor that keeps coming up about him is that he's all there for the artist when things are good and when, as soon as they're not he jumps ship but for someone like justin bieber he's kind of like a permanent a-lister so he doesn't really need to jump ship he can just kind of be part of his like redemption arc he was also managing todrick hall who <laughs> has not had super great news come out about him recently um but hall wasn't happy with the lack of like attention that his career was getting the the article goes on to detail more allegations of him being like just super obsessed with his image um like styling himself as his like mental health coach like helping these poor like lost puppy dogs like Demi Lovato and Justin Bieber and like giving them these like um and Jay Balvin and giving them these like sappy you know docu-series um and apparently calls himself a camp counselor to stars and says he tries to dress non-threatening um but that's like basically every billionaire type of dude they all wear t-shirts you know they all dress yeah, but like he, he said he likes to wear mickey mouse t-shirts so that people think he's like not threatening he's like he really creepy. wants that like yeah it's creepy um but he's like an adult who's hanging out with like you know much younger and that's people and, and like, note, that's why we haven't brought back the guillotine yet is because all the billionaires are not dressed like Marie Antoinette, but they're just wearing like they have bad haircuts and just wearing like normal Costco shirts. <laughs> now. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so funny because after Sam and I did our like after we did our three part Kaler series, we were like, OK, we're done with Taylor Swift, like basically forever on this podcast. Like we talked about her so much, but then like all roads lead back to Taylor for us. Sorry. I know some of you guys are not Taylor fans and some of you have like graciously written and been like, I find like I'm not a fan, but it's like interesting when you talk like, thank you. Um, but you cannot talk about the Scooter Braun of it all without talking about the Taylor Swift of it all. So this is like the big explosive controversy of his career and will be like, I think no matter what else could possibly come out about him. And that is of course, like, I mean, even, I think even people that live under a rock are aware that like, there's this dispute with him buying her masters and her re-recording it in Taylor's version. So we're going to hear Taylor's version and Scooter's version. <laughs> um so it all started back in june 2019 so scooter ron purchased big machine big machine records for 300 million dollars and this included most of taylor swift's back catalog and it's super complicated because like when this first came out i was like you know and i saw that taylor swift was pissed about it like i was not on her side one bit because i was like these things get sold and passed from hand to hand like all the time who cares? This is like insider stuff. Like your lawyer should be working this out, like not you on Twitter. Um, but the whole reason, if we can just unravel this quickly, is this guy, Scott Borchetta, 
owned Big Machine for the years that Taylor was there. And he owned it like, and she was signed to this, his record from like the start of her career. So back when she was like writing music on her bedroom floor to like becoming like the famous Taylor Swift we know today. And so all of her music was under that record. He sold the label to Scooter and Scooter is associated with Kanye West and Justin Bieber and Taylor hates all three of them. (laughs) And now Scott Borchetta. So it's this huge issue for Taylor that uh, Scooter Braun owns all of her old masters and recordings. And like that, it's important because like, if you own their masters and recordings, you make all the money from that. Like they need your permission to use it. It, the credits go to you the money goes to you for like any use of this music to write to make it sell it distribute it etc cetera, etc cetera. and taylor swift is yeah the root- i mean yeah. not all the money obviously taylor still gets money from no, her stuff but- being licensed but yeah but a portion like he- he's like a the portion la- yeah he's like the landlord of her music yes exactly you know so after this whole sale was happening, Taylor did what Taylor does best, which is took to Tumblr and wrote <laughs> wrote uh, instructions for her army to uh, kill Scooter Braun and bring them her his head. Uh, <laughs> I mean, okay, like it's not that dramatic, but like almost she was so pissed and it's very long. So we're not going to read the whole thing, but we will read some choice quotes from this. S- Sammy, Samantha. For years, I asked, pleaded for a chance to own my work. Instead, I was given an opportunity to sign back up to Big Machine Records and earn the back one album at a time. Um, I walked away because I knew once I signed that contract, Scott would sell the label, selling me in my future. So uh, fun fact, I found out about Scooter Braun's purchase as it was announced to the world. I have experienced incessant manipulative bullying at his hands for years like when Kim Kardashian orchestrated an illegally recorded snippet of a phone call to be leaked. And then Scooter got his two clients together to bully me online about it. The bullying she's referring to is a picture apparently where Justin said, Taylor, what up? He was FaceTiming Scooter Braun and Kanye West and took a screenshot and then captured it. What up Taylor? Or like, it's like poking at her for sure. But bullying, I don't know. Bullying and manipulating me when I was at my lowest. Like it's class. This is classic Tay Tay. Um, And she says that when in Kanye's music video famous where she has she's represented in like a wax figure in bed naked with a bunch of other famous people, including Donald Trump and Kanye and Kim. And, um, you know, it was a weird art, artistic take on what it's like to be famous. Yeah. Um, You call it artistic fake take. She calls it revenge porn. Yeah. She said a revenge porn music video, which strips my body naked. Like, I understand why she's pissed about that. Um, but should she say revenge porn? Uh... But, but but most importantly to that is the fact that Scooter was Kanye's manager when he came out with the famous video. Yeah. So it's not, it's like a one-two punch from both of them. For yeah. Her. Yeah. It was another strike against Scooter. So she says she was not given a, a fair opportunity to buy and that her, you know, her enemy owns her musical legacy. So she calls it her worst case scenario that he has no loyalty. Never in my worst nightmares did I imagine the buyer would be Scooter. She says that Scott Borchetta knew how much she hated Scooter because she was crying whenever she brought his name up. I've gone back and forth on this topic, but I do think it's like there's so many shady business people. And if you don't have an ironclad contract for everything, you kind of have to expect the worst case scenario is going to happen if you give up control of your property, especially if it's incredibly valuable. Yeah. And like, I understand her emotions were running very high and she felt very like, 
stripped and violated by this. She uses a lot of like, you know, rape associated language in my opinion. And it, it is pretty inflammatory to me. I'm like, oh fuck, I don't know, Taylor. Um, she says, you know, he knew what he was doing. They both knew what they were doing, controlling a woman who didn't want to be associated with them in perpetuity. That means forever. Um, and then she signs it sad and grossed out comma heartbreak emoji Taylor. So this was like a full-blown declaration of war. And she does another Tumblr post later that we will um, read, but just wanted to say that, you know, some of the details in her post have been disputed, but everyone agrees that the deal on the table was that Taylor would have to stay at Big Machine for seven to 10 years and many more albums before she would have the chance to own her music. Um, it's unclear when that ownership would become legal. She says she didn't want to be obligated to stay at Big Machine because she knew it was about to sell because her dad's on the board. And this deal would have required she stay there under its new management. And she had no idea who the new management was going to be. And she was not given the opportunity to buy her master's from Big Machine outright without committing herself to spending more time at the label. So. Yeah, I, I'm not saying like what happened wasn't shitty for her, but all you really hear about the back end of the music industry is that it's really shitty and like terrible <laughs> things happen and like people yeah. undercut each other. But yeah, I don't like the inflammatory language she used. Um, not like I'm not normally into like policing like women when they're mad and whatever and being like, you shouldn't feel this way. But it's like the amount of like variations of like violated and, and whatever. It's like it's very it's very intense considering like we have no idea how much of this stuff goes on throughout the careers of every big artist. And I can guarantee like it's happened to all of them, like something big with their music that they didn't want to happen or something they didn't realize was a loophole in a contract. Like there's predatory people who make up this, a lot of this industry who are waiting to like pounce on an opportunity. Absolutely. And when I was doing my research for this, I found that there was like less than five artists in the history of the music industry have ever come to own their old masters. And it's like Jay-Z and the Eagles or something like it, it's not common. Um, and yeah, it was pretty intense because she, she begged her fans to intervene later on uh, in her next Tumblr post. But like how many business deals are happening that people are upset about but they're not taking to tumblr to be like i want millions of people to like murder this guy so in november 2020 is when taylor tweets her update after a year and a bit so she's been trying to get her masters back the entire time she recaps that she tried to negotiate to buy them back from scooter directly well their teams were speaking and she but she wasn't down to sign a non-disclosure agreement which would prevent her from talking negatively about him and he wouldn't move forward in his negotiations without that like he wouldn't even open the books to her or her team to quote a price without the nda like and she said that her lawyers agreed that this is like unheard of and she compares it to like a rapist trying to buy off their victim's silence which <sighs> um, Taylor, why do you have to why do you have to take it to that place so Shamrock Holdings bought them without Taylor's knowledge from Scooter, who obviously Scooter had to get them off his hands once Taylor had declared war over this and like was encouraging people online to come for him. And Shamrock tells Taylor that they were not allowed to give her a heads up as part of the deal with Scooter and that he will still get some profit from the licensing of her music for a few years. 
She replies that this is an absolute deal breaker for buying the masters back from Shamrock because she isn't down for Scooter to get a penny. She confirms she will be re-recording her entire back catalog to devalue the masters. Okay, look, I want Taylor to own her own music. I would like all artists, especially female artists, to own their own music. But if the one thing that was standing in her way from bidding and likely winning her own music back was an NDA, not, not to talk shit about Scooter, I can't help but think she's being hypocritical because we all know Taylor has probably crushed thousands of people under thousands of NDAs in her life. So Taylor's, why couldn't... Taylor has a whole team of experts silencing dissidents constantly online. She's shut down. She's had blogs shut down. She's had things that are like lightly poking fun, like YouTube parody shut down. Like that's, that is her, that's her thing. But it's not just about revenge. Like a lot of what Taylor's done in her career is a combination of like revenge and like an incredible business opportunity. You know, it's like the reputation tour all over again. She's like, you tried to get me down. Well, I'm back for more and everything's going to be like snakes and like a whole, you know, like merch and like stadium tour about like me getting like vengeance on my enemies. Yeah. She reclaimed the snake. What if Maybe she was like, I can't sign this NDA because I plan on making like many, many like pieces of art that will be calling you out by name. Like under that NDA, she could still have themes in her music about being betrayed and about someone being shifty like you know but it's the principle of it like yeah she's like I would rather like make this stand not back down not give you one cent like and go on this whole crusade that then is while kind of like this petty and like in my opinion slightly psychotic move it's like on the other hand this brilliant business move that only she could pull off where she has random ass albums like red that came out in 2013 now number one making her like all this money and, like being the talk of the town and she's gonna be like the talk of the town what, what is this like the 1960s but like but but you know and then she's going to have that with every re-release of every album for yeah it's interesting but I saw a chart actually the other day that was like how many streams Taylor gets and it's actually still all her old stuff gets more streams than Taylor's version so she's still splitting her income with another version of her own song and I find it and streaming income is not that much so whatever but when I I just would not have made the same decision as Taylor so like I would have been like okay I have to have some percentage on the back end goes to Scooter for x number of years not forever I don't think if I just buy this back from Shamrock Holdings, who cares? Like then you 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 don't have to re- do all that extra work. You can just focus on moving forward and move, making new art. But like I get that whatever she was fulfilled artistically by re-recording. I've been enjoying the re-recordings, so it's cool. It's just not what I would have done. But whatever. everything everything is symbolic to her. Like she already has more money than she can spend in one lifetime, and so it's like the best version of her carrying out something like this is the time where she like someone tried like someone tried to sue her for um who had like grabbed her butt and like uh in a photo op and then tried to like sue her for like ruining his image and she like countersued for one dollar and spent five years fighting it like that's taylor at her best like not backing down doing everything symbolically like standing up for the little guy and this is like a crazy (laughs) version of it where it's like it's not even about like oh well now i'm splitting it and oh now people might stream taylor's old version it's about standing up being like i will not be silenced or bullied by these men (laughs) you know yeah yeah which is which is like fair enough i mean she's even if even if it's half and half streamed 
her even if it's half and half with like old and new versions of her music being streamed she's still now like getting this total renaissance and all these new fans from these re-releases yeah it ended up being a good career move and, and I would say Taylor Swift is certainly a better business person than Scooter Braun like Taylor's smarter Taylor has better marketing ideas uh I, I respect her very much and I want that to be clear but let's talk about how some other celebrities reacted to this massive industry feud that like everyone commented on for a long time okay so yeah a lot of celebrities had a lot to say um the first one is Todra Call and I don't know if you guys have been following the like Todra Call drama of like him being on Celebrity Big Brother but a lot of things (laughs) were captured of him saying like horrific unforgivable things and like basically just being like a terrible person like (laughs) like like what I don't know anything about that oh he um Chris Kirkpatrick was on um the like guy from NSYNC and he said like to his face he's like if you screw this up you're gonna like make your children ashamed of you and then he like later reiterated to someone else he's like yeah I said it I'm not sorry and like with Lamar Odom he was like we need to stick together like we're both black like we can't throw each other under the bus like and then and then like later like screwed him over um shanna mochler who is travis barker's ex-wife she opened up to him and told him about the most like horrific thing that ever happened to her she had a, a burglary in her house like while she was there and like had a confrontation with like the burglars and they like they said something to her and on her way out Todrick like repeated that to her like it was like very clear like yeah did they yeah like it is crazy and so he had to like turn off all his social media comments all the cast of Celebrity Big Brother who you know they've all had their like unflattering moments were all like you're the worst person we've ever met basically (laughs) oh my god and that's Taylor's bestie well Uh, probably she's probably distanced herself from him since then this happened like very this happened in the last couple months like very recently yeah Um, she's like oh you can't be my like best gay friend anymore actually it's funny because she just posted a picture with Anthony from Queer Eye like yesterday she's found a new gay bestie um yeah I'm not that whatever like not that it's like but the only reason why I like looked into that was because I had um Lauren the Zen Blonde on my podcast and on her podcast she had actually interviewed Todrick Call's former assistant and Todrick and this guy said that like Todrick tried to he threatened he knew that he was HIV positive his the assistant was HIV positive and like threatened him with that information to like release that information when he was doing things he didn't like like just things that are like the seediest most like unforgivable behavior oh my god yeah so I think he was Taylor Swift's bestie for some time uh I'm gonna say I probably don't think we'll be seeing too many photo ops (laughs) with them (laughs) so (laughs) um so keep that in mind with this following quote that Todrick had to say at the time, sticking up for Taylor Swift um, in relation to Scooter Braun. He is an evil person who's only concerned with his wealth and feeding his disgusting ego. I believe he is homophobic and I know from his own mouth that he is not a Swift fan. Um, and he was at kind of the only one at the time to publicly allege that Scooter Braun was homophobic. Um, but yeah, so take that with a grain of salt. Uh, Justin Bieber, another person who has to be taken with a grain of salt, wrote a caption, 
Scooters had your back since the days you graciously let me open up, open up for you. Um, this was on Instagram. What were you trying to accomplish by posting that blog? Seems to me like it was to get sympathy. You always knew that in posting that your fans would go and bully Scooter. True. Um, I usually don't rebuttal. <laughs> oh, oh, Justin. I usually don't rebuttal things like this. But when you try and deface someone I love's character, that's crossing the line. And he also went on to say that like the whole Taylor Swift talking about um, Scooter Braun bullying her. He's like, that was me posting that and me writing that caption. Scooter had nothing to do with it. That was just me FaceTiming him, which is true. Um, Haley Bieber commented on that post. Gentlemen, ever the loyal wife um and kendall kendall jenner liked that post so they're all that's where they stand on that in case we we're wondering <laughs> um so then scott borchetta gets involved and so he writes a tumblr post of his own <laughs> well he wrote a t- he wrote a blog post but like <laughs> it the, these things all may as well be like their tumblr posts um he refuted many many of the things that taylor swift said so i won't get into all of them but just like some of the quick quotes from that was he said as per her comments about her being in in tears or close to it anytime my new partner scooter Braun's name was brought up i certainly never experienced that was i aware of some prior issues between taylor and justin bieber yes there were also times where taylor knew that i was close to scooter and that scooter was also a very good source of information for upcoming album releases tours etc and i'd reach out to him for information on our behalf scooter has always been and will continue to be a supporter and honest custodian for taylor and her music so you know i i think that everyone involved Taylor like I don't think I don't think Scooter Braun is a good guy I don't I don't think Scott Scott Burchette is a good guy and at the same time I also think that everybody involved including Taylor are known for like kind of inflammatory language and maybe like (laughs) getting heated and saying versions of their truth that are like a little like skewed version of reality you know what I mean yeah this this is definitely a situation where there's like 10 sides and then there's the truth like we'll never know the full God's honest truth but obviously people came through this feeling like they got a raw deal mostly Taylor well and it's it's also the fact that like this was all pub so public because oh yeah this was the this was the messiest thing that had happened related to the buying and selling of record labels ever (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Via, via Tumblr. Um, so 2021, when 2021 came around, um, Scooter actually talked about basically regretting the whole thing. I mean, I'm sure everyone of course, involved has regrets. He's like, please stop doxing my like new addresses and like trying to kill me. Um, but he said, I regret it. And it makes me sad that Taylor had the reaction to the deal. Um, All of what happened has been very confusing and not based on anything factual. Um, I don't know what story she was told. I asked for her to sit down with me several times, but she refused. I offered to sell her the catalog back and went under under NDA, but her team refused. It all seems very unfortunate. Open communication is important and can lead to understanding. She and I only briefly met three or four times in the past and all our interactions were really friendly and kind. I find her to be an incredibly talented artist and wish her nothing but the best. Um, 
Yeah. So allegedly at the time he was thinking of running for office, um, but the public was uh, not on his side. So he kind of pulled out of that and he's like still trying to kind of like rehab his uh, public image from this time. Now let's get into his ex-wife, Yael Cohen on Instagram. She came out hard in support of Scooter um, with this sassy little quip. Girl. And they were, they were married at the time. Just of course. Just yeah, they were married. Yeah. Um, girl, who are you to talk about bullying? The world has watched you collect and drop friends like wilted flowers. My husband is anything but a bully. He spent his life standing up for people and causes he believes in. Uh, Scooter was so excited to work and build with you. How embarrassing this temper tantrum is because you didn't get your own way. He believes in and supports you. I sincerely hope you can learn to love and believe in yourself the way my husband does. Um, yeah. Wow. That was that. Yeah. She was fucking pissed. Um, one of the blinds that I've heard in my life that I will never, ever forget was from one month after this whole mess in July, 2019. And it reads, um, Yael Cohen made no new friends at Kamala Harris's fundraiser that Scooter hosted a few nights ago. She ordered every one of the guests not to talk about the A-list singer she and her husband are feuding with, Taylor Swift. However, the only time she was mentioned at all was by Yael, who referred to her as C-U-N-T and D-Y-K-E. Yes, it was also the wife who suggested that Katy Perry get into the picture with the manager's other two clients, Ariana Grande and Demi Lovato and Kamala, um, she was intentionally trying to start something with that pick. And it upset Katie that she didn't get a picture alone with Kamala. And she got into a shouting match with the wife and stormed out of the party. Uh, flash forward two years, they're now divorced. But I remember thinking that like, if uh, Yael Cohen is like screaming at a, an event like this, calling Taylor Swift gay in like homophobic terms, like that that was very interesting for Scooter's wife to have these kind of personal cruel homophobic hateful views about Taylor yeah I never forgot it yeah and like there's been there's been a few homophobic rumors in the rumor mill about Scooter Braun and so for him to like be married at the time to someone who would say things like this like all right checks out I mean I I do think like it, it all needs to be taken with a grain of salt, but like where there's smoke, there's fire. If you have a lot of rumors ongoingly about the same thing, I think there's something there. Um, what are the homophobic rumors you heard? Well, just like, well, okay. It was like Todrick Hall, but like it, it was, oh, just, yeah, yeah. Right. Right. It was Todrick Hall, but then it, it just, there was a couple articles where it was like sources close to whatever, like alleged that there's like, you know, he said homophobic things. It's like, but it's like, it's the kind of like uh locker room talk that I just imagine is happening when it's a bunch of like rich white men in a boardroom, all, you know, behind yeah. closed doors, doing shady stuff, saying shady stuff. You know, it's not, absolutely. I'm not, I'm not like oh, Scooter Braun being homophobic. Like I'm like, oh, yeah, all right. <laughs> um, So now Scooter and Yael are divorced, but while they were together, there was a lot of cheating rumors so speak of another shocker like <laughs> some uh famous rich dude cheating with his wife but interestingly enough one of the uh alleged people that he cheated with was erica jane of real housewives of beverly hills <laughs> who they both denied this um and there there was uh in november 2020 a friend of dana wilkie 
posted Instagram DMs from an anonymous source alleging allegedly in honor of like Demois, um, claiming Scooter and Erica were hooking up, having previously met at a sex club in Los Angeles. Um, it's funny because when the Army Hammer story broke, there was the exact same rumor that Erica Jane was having sex with Army and that they were in like a Dom sub relationship and that they had met in a sex club. So yeah. it's also interesting because like as Erica's like life was crumbling, like she was posting constant like photos of her in lingerie, like as it was coming out that like her whole life was built on the lives of like victims and orphans and widows that like her husband screwed over. She was like posting photos of like her in lingerie and being like, baboons come and like eat my pussy or like, do you like, did, did you <laughs> yeah, s- like, I like to watch cartoons or I'm eating cereal while you eat my pussy. I forget what it was. But- there was something about, yeah. And there was, there was something like really like graphic and weird well, but like she buffoons, buffoons maybe not baboons, <laughs> baboons. Like, it, was, <laughs> it was weird it was like weird stuff and like she kept or, or she kept being like another day like another day with my legs spread like just stubborn you're like erica like, <laughs> but you know what i think is that going through what she went through and losing millions and millions and millions of dollars I think only sex work was going to get her through that time. Like with the, her lawyer fees and losing everything. Like, Oh, um, you think those posts were her adverti- subtly advertising her as like a high end sugar baby? Um, allegedly. Allegedly. Like it's just a thought I had. It's, and you know, oh. she's been seen with a few older billionaires since. And uh, oh. I don't think they're with her for her That's conversation. A- <laughs> <laughs> her wit. Um, that is so interesting because at the time like I don't know if you guys watch like Real Housewives of Beverly Hills but like this is like whatever this whole huge scandal with like her and Tom Girardi or her like now ex-husband who like stole millions from like widows and orphans is like the Cliff Stones but uh, like all of them were like Erica what the fuck like this is the worst thing you could do for your public image is like while this is happening constantly posting like lingerie shots and constantly like I don't give a fuck um but maybe actually that's like smart <laughs> if it's from the like positioning yourself as a high-end sex worker like then that makes sense and is actually probably like yeah her best chance <laughs> at making yeah. those dollars yeah she's got a quite a lifestyle to support but anyway back anyhow to so uh, yeah um so- I believe I believe that they were hooking up in my, my sure. if it wasn't her it was 20 other hollywood girls so oh, no, amongst other people like I yeah just, yeah yeah so just last year there were rumors that he may have impregnated one of his mistresses and that that's why he ended up filing for divorce um i have no doubt that yael is fucking pissed that he filed to divorce her after all of the years that she was like looking the other way letting him have his fun um and i want to analyze some of taylor swift's lyrics for mad woman from folklore yeah and i'm sure like it's interesting because yeah before we get into that it's like i i'm sure a lot of couples in hollywood have an arrangement where it's like do what you want but don't fucking embarrass me you know Mm -hmm. and i could totally see them having that type of thing but he embarrassed her like you you have to keep it under tightly like under locks which i don't understand how like it gets so messy and so public when there's like NDAs and they have these like huge mansions where you can like invite people over but anyhow um so in this song I will just grab a few choice lyrics as we love to do um so this song is about how angry she is at Scooter 
and then drags you out in by the end. So she says stuff like, what did you think I'd say to that? Does a scorpion sting when fighting back? They strike to kill and you know I will. And she absolutely does. Um, and one of her weirder lyrics, what do you sing on your drive home? Do you see my face in the neighbor's lawn? Does she smile or does she mouth fuck you forever? So this is in reference to the fact that Big Machine Records is right next to Universal Records. And when she signed to Universal, they hung a huge billboard of her congratulating her for lover. So Scooter had to drive past that every day and see her face in his neighbor's lawn. When these lyrics first came out, we hadn't seen them printed and we were incredibly traumatized thinking that she said mouth fuck you. Like, <laughs> and we were like, we spent like days being like, what, why would she say that? <laughs> yeah. And like, what is mouth fucking someone forever? <laughs> yeah. We were like, what? Like we were just like deeply, deeply disturbed and unsettled. And then it was like the lyric and then it was like lyric genius, whatever printed. We're like, oh, okay. Thank God. Mouth comma quote fuck you forever (laughs) (laughs) yeah that that still is an awkward part of the song that I don't really like but well anytime she swears we get like oh Taylor like we get it's never quite right but she she also says my cannons are all firing at your yacht and that's in reference to an Instagram picture of Carly Kloss and Scooter Braun on a yacht that we'll talk about in a minute um and then she says about Yael, women like hunting witches too, doing your dirtiest work for you. It's obvious that wanting me dead has really brought you two together. And then she closes it out saying about Scooter, we can presume. Um, the master of spin has a couple side flings. Good wives always know. She should be mad, should be scathing like me, but no one likes a mad woman. So like everyone, when this scandal erupted, all the headlines were like Taylor Penn's scathing post to Scooter Brown. So or Scooter Braun. So she's just like, yeah, well, if Yael was, you know, a normal human woman, she would be mad too, but she's just a good wife. I think that that line was directed at the time at both Yael and Kim Kardashian about like good wives, like standing by their men and like, you should be pissed by all these crazy things your men are doing. Absolutely. Kim Kardashian was definitely doing Kanye's dirtiest work for him with that um, recording coming out. Yeah. And we're mad yeah we're huge fans of mad woman um but it's also yeah. terrifying like <laughs> i'm like i it, it's what convinced us at the time we were like taylor could legitimately like murder someone in cold blood yeah absolutely like if 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 need if need be <laughs> um okay so firing at your yacht referring to this photo of Scooter Braun and his best friend Carly Kloss on a yacht brings us perfectly into the next tangled web of Scooter Braun's universe, which is the Carly Kloss of it all. So we have, we had discussed this previously um, on the episode, uh, the Patreon episode we did with Madison from the Archers. Um, We need to talk about Kaler part three. (laughs) Um, And it's the lyrics from it's time to go. So to go over very quickly, when the words of a sister come back in whispers that prove she was not in fact what she seems not a twin from your dreams she's a crook who was caught so this is obviously a carly claus reference like not a twin from your dreams i mean she was her dream girl and they look identical um so why is she a crook and what was she whispering about so carly was on scooter's side in the sale carly was also 
was and is a client like scooter manages carly um so at the time of the sale she was already beefing with taylor about basically the fallout of like their friendship relationship all of that um and carly quickly when all of this was going down with the masters liked and unliked a tweet that said you sold your in quotes your music and became filthy rich by doing so it's not yours anymore it's the record labels if i sell my car to someone else and they won't let me drive it anymore it's because that's how things work and end quote there were also rumors about there were a lot of rumors swirling around so there were rumors about carly's potential involvement in the sale there were rumors about carly selling out information about taylor's scooter like there it is a messy web so sam would you like to continue on this well i feel the need to kind of stick up for carly a bit because i'm a carly apologist um like yes there are some hard facts when carly got married in july 2019 scooter was there for both ceremonies she was also seen on the yacht that same month and then they were at a lunch together in september of that year with scooter yell and their other mutual friends who she's rumored to be swingers with like her and josh are supposedly like swinger bisexual swingers and some of the other couples that they swap with are this fashion designer called misha nonu and her husband i love that um, them yeah me too um so yeah ivanka trump was also at this lunch and there's like some rumors that that picture of that luncheon like inspired taylor's ladies lunching chapter from evermore and um that collection of songs that she released but well i'm not um, i'm not even criticizing carly in this like i you know if she was involved in the sale, I mean, there's so was like Taylor Swift's dad who had a portion of like, you know, people said that like he was part owner of Big Machine Records. So he would have known in advance about this happening. Like there's so many like messy, like business details that are involved in this. But I, I would probably, if I was Carly, I would like and unlike a tweet like that. <laughs> I mean, I, I haven't even gotten to my defense of Carly yet, which is that she has not been seen with Scooter Braun since September 2019 and um Carly signed with new management uh the society group in September 2021 although she is still listed as a client on Scooter's website it's unclear if that's old information or if she has some business ties to them too but it's not her main management anymore um now getting into the involvement of the sale so the Carlisle group is a massive private equity firm with ties to the Kushner family Carly is of course married to Josh Kushner um, it's unclear what his role was, if any, in the sale, um, but they played a role in funding Scooter's purchase of Big Machine. So then she posts, an a Taylor posts another open letter to social media where she wants to perform a medley of her old hits at the American Music Awards, but Scooter blocks this. Um, and she begged her followers to tell Scooter themselves how they feel about that. And she said she was especially asking for help from the Carlisle group. So she calls them out by name, maybe because of her back-end connections. But um, yeah, a deal was eventually made. Obviously, the Carlisle group shit their pants when they saw that headline and got to uh, agreement. And she did end up doing her performance. And she wore that white shirt with the names of like all her old labels on it in protest. I found this so deeply offensive, this performance, because she also brought like kids out. Didn't she? 
Yeah, she had she had seven or eight kids on stage or something. that had like the record the like names of the records but the way that her, the uh font was printed on her shirt it was like prison graphics and it was like to symbolize that these albums were locked away and I'm like stop <laughs> make don't make any prison references ever like this is don't not- compare your albums to children who are in jail <laughs> to children or anyone that's in jail like the the pr- like the way like just the way that she like plays into these tropes and is like I am like violated like I'm enslaved it's like it's like saying I'm enslaved it's like you yeah no. well she she and in mad woman she talks about being um lynched it's like dear god I, exactly it's it's things like that that already that make me so on edge like t- talking about a, a like for god's sakes a white woman in the year like 2021 talking about like this is like wrapping a noose around my neck this is me wearing my prison clothes I'm like fucking stop Taylor like look around and read the fucking room like don't this sure you you're allowed to be mad but like don't bring think about the bigger cultural context of these when you say this things like this I totally agree um so just gonna run through some of the rumors that have come up about Carly's involvement so some people think maybe she was leaking info about Taylor to Scooter possibly about her net worth upcoming career moves or potentially if she had a plan to come out as sexually fluid during her lover era And according to this theory, if Taylor did theoretically come out, then maybe the public would guess that her and Carly had been together and that this would harm Carly's brand as like a hetero married connected business model. Oh, this was this. Sorry. This was another moment where homophobic rumors came up about Scooter, where like he was like, this can't get out, like was one of the rumors swirling around that that they were that they had been involved with each other romantically. Yeah. So that thinking goes that Scooter as Carly's manager didn't want that to happen and therefore could have expedited this purchase to sort of stop that, redirect Taylor's energy, and also hopefully make Scooter and possibly the Kushners like richer, but not anticipating that Taylor would flip out and re-record all her songs. And I just want to note an important detail that because Scooter flipped the sale of her masters, he was not negatively impacted by her re-recording all her songs. Like he had already unloaded that. So Scooter, there's rumors that he was like misleading the Shamrock group being like, oh, Taylor's never going to do it. She won't re-record them all and go to all that trouble. Like, don't worry. You should still buy them at this like high price. But I don't know if anyone could have predicted that she'd re-record all her masters. I mean, she threatened it almost right away. Like she was like liking tweets about like Kelly Clarkson was like, you should just re-record all your songs. And she was like, yeah, maybe I fucking will. Um, but anyway, I, I mean, I just will have to give my take on it, which is that yeah. intuitively I have trouble believing that Carly did all this stuff to betray Taylor. I also couldn't find out when she signed with Scooter, like maybe someone out there knows, but like it was definitely pre-2017. But was it before she became friends with Taylor in 2013? Like, I don't know. Was it during their feud? I don't know. But he's not her main management anymore. And I just find it hard to believe that this was all just a ploy to distract from a celebrity coming out. Like, I think it's a compelling theory, but I just don't personally believe it. Yeah. What do you think? Um, I think that like in, okay, so I've said this a lot, but I think that artists are getting screwed over all the time because like the whole logistics of the way that like the rights of music 
gets like sold, distributed. It's like so complex. It's, it's beyond our understanding unless you're like in the inner workings of that industry. But we do all know on a basic level, things happen all the time that like fuck over artists and trap them. Like look at Kesha, you know, like who's, who's been fighting for the rights to her music to get it out of like the hands of Dr. Luke for like years and years, things like that. Who Um, was her rapist? Yeah. Who? Yeah. And like, you know, um, you have singers like Jojo who her whole career was tanked basically because she couldn't, she had signed like a bad deal and couldn't get, couldn't get out of it. And she was trapped and, and, and things like that. And so the, how this happens, I think if you actually like get into the very nitty gritty details and contracts, I think it's kind of like boring logistical details kind of. Um, but at the same time, it seems like a pretty extremely common occurrence and not something that should be dealt with in any way other than like with your lawyers, with your very fancy, like top tier lawyers who can like do their everything they can to like get it back but telling your fans to like tell scooter what he what they you think is like that's not it especially when he has kids like you know it's just you know yeah. that's gonna happen you know he's gonna get death threats for a very long time yeah the rest of his life the rest of his career he he will be dealing with that and like regardless of how unsavory he might be and i don't even think anything came out about him that was truly as rotted as many of the people we talk about Mm -hmm. but like no matter what it's wrong to (laughs) encourage someone to be to like incite people to truly bully someone else she calls him a bully but what she did to him was more bullying than what he did Uh, to her yeah like what Justin Bieber posting a photo that said what up Taylor where he's FaceTiming with Scooter like I think, I think like my takeaway from all this research about Scooter is that he is a very shrewd business guy. He's an overbearing like stage mom, stage dad, whatever to his artists. And he's not super faithful. He's really into like, you know, getting, securing the bag and that's his main focus, but like, okay. I wouldn't expect anything otherwise from someone in that position. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, to have no like abuse allegations against him is very impressive and I know that's the thing that's the thing the 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 lesson of every episode is the bars in hell for men but like truly like the fact that he pushed Justin Bieber to get out there too much and like didn't offer him therapy quickly enough like of all the yeah of all the rumors swirling around like not the best guy but who else is running these record labels probably not like people that you would want to be best friends with totally so yeah that's that's that on that. Yeah. I mean, that seems like a good note to end on. So that is the nature of Scooter Braun. That ends this whole chapter journey that we've been on of like Justin's like nebula, like Justin's like crazy web of like <laughs> religion and management, etc. Um, we're going to get to some like fun topics in upcoming weeks. We want to like bring it back up, keep it fun and fresh as always. Um, that's it for today. Follow Sammy on Instagram at Sammy whole thing. Follow me on the Instagram at it's become a whole thing. And thank you so much for being here. Patrons. You are just beautiful to us and you always will be. And we love you. Um, Samuel. Bye.